At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella Lombic here, the world messenger, and I'm welcoming for another epic episode of Legacy Leaders. I have a special guest that I'm super excited to introduce to this episode. He is joining us actually from Bronx, New York, part of New York City, and he is executive producer of and director of BronxNet, and he is involved in so many awesome, cool, creative arts and digital footprint and media. Um, he also likes to partner and help uh, with health systems and uh, do crazy things with, um, obviously, through his production and educational things, actually wanted to say. Uh, without further ado, let's introduce you to my guest, Michael Max Nobe. How are you? I'm better now that I'm talking with you, Isabella. It's great to be here with you uh, from the Bronx, New York. Uh, we send our greetings and, and, and love and, and yeah, looking forward to this conversation. Fantastic. Likewise, it's just amazing what we can do with the technology. We can be in any parts of the world and have a real-time conversation and what is happening. So before we depict and dive into what's going on in Bronx, do you mind just sharing a little bit about your background and your heritage? Are you a native from the Bronx or are you migrated or immigrated there? So do you mind just sharing a little bit about your background? So I'm born and raised in the Bronx, uh, the birthplace of hip hop. Um, right now, DJ Jazzy Joyce, uh, an amazing hip hop DJ is calling me right now because we're going to be doing some hip hop specials coming up in our studios. Uh, wow. Like, uh, spotlight women pioneers uh, in this genre. And the Bronx has tremendous creative capital. It's uh, a, a beautiful place to live, to thrive. Uh, the community is tremendous. And growing up in the Kingsbridge section of the Bronx, I appreciated that, the diversity of the Bronx. And you know, going to Bronx Science and you know, public school seven before that, and um, you know, my heart and my home, no matter where I live, it will always be in the Bronx. Um, my family, my mom, still lives in the Bronx, not far from where I live now. I live next to one of the biggest parks in New York City, bigger than Central Park in New York. In the Bronx, the biggest park is Pelham Bay Park, and then uh, then there's Van Cortlandt Park in the Bronx, and that's a huge park, which is like a a cross-country capital in the world, in North America. That's where a lot of cross-country races happen. And um, there's an urban wilderness in the Bronx. Uh, it's, um, it's, it's got elbow room, it's got potential, it's got thrive, thrivability, and it's known throughout the world. It's iconic. And I'm proud to say that uh, I live here and uh, I, I, I feel like we're a family here and we're part of a global community because you'll find a little bit of everywhere in the Bronx. That is fantastic. Such a different lens when we look at and think about in New York City, right? And when we zoom into just one neighborhood, uh, I had a chance to spend some time to travel, also to drive around and indulge in some of the food and restaurants. And I have some friends that live there and they're art artists themselves. So I'm glad to highlight the some cultural aspects of it as well, how beautiful setup it is and uh, for a lifestyle. So now obviously as a native, which is very rare to run into native uh, Bronx uh, person that has been there all their life and, and absolutely uh, love and thriving in that environment so well. Could you please share a little bit how it's been environment and community affected with the COVID because we've heard so many different pieces of the news and from different outlets and I would love to hear your perspective Michael. So the Bronx is tremendously vibrant in so many different ways yet there's these terrible challenges that we face together as communities in the Bronx including um, economic disparity, health disparities, tech inequities, and with um, heart disease, obesity, diabetes, asthma, affecting our communities well before this pandemic hit New York City, uh, it's been terrible uh, what's happened in terms of um, 
you know, the mortality rates in the Bronx. There's comorbidities in the Bronx. And at one point, uh, the Bronx was the epicenter of the epicenter in terms of infection and fatality. And um, in part, in terms of infection, it's because so many frontline workers live in the Bronx. They work all across the city and the region, but they live in the Bronx. And um, there are many healthcare workers that were in living in certain zip codes. And, you know, and, and as the onset of this virus uh, came to our region, you know, it was unclear how it was spreading. It was definitely fear uh, and, you know, terrible things where, you know, people lost their relatives from our Bronx net family. We had team members that were in emergency rooms themselves suffering from this horrible virus. And you know it's it's been tragic for our communities, and it continues to be. And I think one thing that we want to do is, um, well, in addition to being more empathetic uh, for yes. each other and looking out for each other and caring for each other, we want to solve these problems of inequity and you know economic disparity. Um, so you know that's a big part of what we do as a nonprofit, BronxNet Television, the public service multimedia network of the Bronx is to forge strategic partnerships with community organizations and leaders and the communities across the Bronx yeah. to inform, to provide health awareness information, to provide workforce development opportunities, uh, to uh, provide news and information, voter literacy programs, encouraging community engagement, where the community is part of the solution. Uh, to some of these problems and and bridging these disparities, um, you know, and and it, it's a lot of work to be done. I mean, I'm proud of what we've done, but we have a lot more work to do. And um, it's through these strategic partnerships that I think we're able to accomplish so much. And if there's ever a time to step up in our lives, it's through these collective crises that we've been experiencing through 2020 and through uh, through this, you know, the beginning of this year. And for, you know, whatever challenges we face together, whatever crucible may, um, we may encounter along the way, uh, you know, we, we want to be prepared. We want to know that we can count on each other and um, we want to find the resolutions to move us forward together and to, to, to help each other. That is so powerful. And I love how you not only acknowledge the challenges and problems we had prior, but then how they escalated, but then also how you came together and how you use the voice and platform that you have to help to educate, to give a voice, but also to come and, and give people information and leverage that during the times of highest need. Um, you're also part of the such a diverse community. And as you know, that is my passion. Uh, not only did that, I had a chance to work with over 120 plus countries around the world, people very closely, but also with people that also immigrated and came to the United States that are part of your community, that tapestry of diversity uh, where people are trying to navigate now uh, the best they can. Um, and I'm glad to hear efforts that you're taking, but do you mind sharing a little bit more about those health um, initiatives? Because obviously I hear a lot of pain points there and how you're tackling that, if you don't mind, please. Sure. So in terms of um, health uh, initiatives, uh, one of the biggest organizations in the Bronx is Montefiore Healthcare Systems. And we forged a partnership with Montefiore to produce health awareness programming, programs about telehealth, to let mm -hmm. people know you can contact your doctor without going to the office if you need. This is what telehealth is. This yes. is what you need to know. This yeah. is why you're, you know, you, you, it, 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 it's, um, you know, whatever privacy concerns you have, uh, you know, are, are addressed in this way. Um, and then uh, we also produce healthy eating, healthy cooking, w wellness segments, uh, also, um, we provide interviews with experts in the medical fields, uh, health officials uh, that speak to really problematic um, pro problematic diseases affecting our communities. You know, whether it be diabetes or um, you know, this past February we did programming around Healthy Heart Month and uh, Healthy Heart uh, uh, Healthy Heart Cuisine. 
Um, so these are cooking segments. These are health segments. There's fitness segments. There, um, th there's uh, you know a great number of shows that we're doing also with uh, medical professionals like Dr. Denise Nunez with Leaders of the Future, and she's hosting a show with Bronx young people, Bronx youth, and they're talking about health, and they're interviewing community people. They're uh, talking about the issues that we're facing together. The most recent episode in a new season debuted this week and it was on vaccines. Fantastic. So um, whether it be with Montefiore Health System, um, mm -hmm. Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, Essen Health, with uh, what we're gonna be doing with uh, Mercy College and their programs um, and uh, other programs across the Bronx, uh, our channels, our six channels on two systems, as well as at bronxnet.tv and full HD uh, are dealing quite a bit uh, around issues of health and wellness. We also have um, a uh, pioneer of hip hop, Grandmaster Melly Mel, who's a huge fitness ambassador and a, a real advocate for health and healthy communities. And he's doing programming with us around health uh, that also involves culture and music. And it's sort of a creative way of forging your own pathway to health and wellness. Um, so, you know, these are just some of the things that we're doing, but uh, I got to tell you, we have six channels and we have such a diverse borough, people from all over the world, because the Bronx is such a welcoming place and it's one of the most diverse places in the world. So we have programs in Spanish, we have programs in African dialects, in uh, Griffina traditionally, uh, which is a Central American um, uh, culture and uh, also a language uh, that's uh, outside of Honduras and other places in Central America, the largest number of Griffina speakers are in the Bronx and we have wow. Griffina language programs. So our, you know, our producers, the independent producers, people that BronxNet provides training and access to technology and in times of relative normalcy studios and we provide access to channels and we broadcast and televise their programs are also stepping up and producing a great amount of health programming around these issues so that we can care for ourselves and care for our families and neighbors and friends and um, you know that's what it's about it's it's about like you know young people getting involved so that they can give you know advice and even be role models for their parents who maybe are not eating as healthy as they could so it's, it's about showing and you know, we can eat better, live better and be stronger together um, on, and, and in different ways and from different perspectives and frames of reference on BronxNet. That is so powerful and very empowering and, and great role model actually to replicate in other parts of the country and, and, and the world actually. So kudos for doing that. Because right now, what I'm seeing also from leadership standpoint and where I'm at dealing with a lot of data and executives and what's going on dynamic wise and seeing such a high increase of suicides and high increase of, you know, children being neglected and all these different dynamics that are affecting beyond because of people are in not necessarily in the large homes that are cooped up in the small areas and, and it everybody's trying to do the best they can. And, and of course, uh, different dynamics are as a result creating different pain points. So it's a beautiful to have an outlet, but also to be involved specifically for youth uh, with different creative projects, as you mentioned. So we have an educational mission and it's about media literacy. And we've trained thousands of members of the public in media production. These are intensive workshops, uh, uh, whether it be documentary or narrative filmmaking or basic field production or studio production. And we continue to do that through the pandemic with online media education that we're uh, doing so people can participate from the safety of their home. Uh, when in times of relative normalcy, we're in state-of-the-art studios. Uh, BronxNet has locations all across the Bronx from which we do training and provide access. And um, I would say that this, uh, this pivot uh, to remote production in the cloud and collaboration in the cloud as a nonprofit, you know, I, I think I'm really proud of our team and what we were able to do as the pandemic hit New York City to, yes. without interruption, continue producing vital health information, news updates with team members in the field, um, gathering news and, and, and shooting 
in the community, but also uh, equipping team members so that they could host from TV studios in the home, uh, do technical directing from control rooms in the home, wow. and edit impressive. in post-production suites in the home, and with artists doing animations and graphics in art studios in the home, uh, as well as classrooms in the home with uh, our media online education. Um, with our uh, media team, we also provided internships uh, so that students could participate. We've not only trained thousands of members of the public, but we trained thousands and provided workforce development training and, and immersive experiential learning opportunities for thousands of students, middle school, high school, and college students, and sometimes even younger students. And that continued through the pandemic. Through the Ponce Foundation, we actually offered uh, high school paid internships, which um, were, were, were very important because in New York City, uh, summer youth programs were slashed you know, yes. because of COVID. And these students uh, did great work. Uh, uh, they learned valuable skills. They learned how to work together as teams. So and we have an educational mission. We're considered a nonprofit. But I don't, I've always thought nonprofit, the term, maybe we could come up with a better term. I mean, there is a profit. There's a value to what we do, I think, for community. That's what I'd like yes. to think. I'd like to yes. think about. And, Just because and, you're not making money by amazing, exceptional work you do, and that's exactly what it is say, that doesn't mean it's not valuable. But the fact is that you depend so much on the sponsorship and supports and financial means from large corporations and different entities to continue that work. It's so important to have that strong community bond and relationship that continues. And usually what happens when it's disaster, things stop, as you said, or, or there cannot be continued. And, and that disruption creates also even so much pain points. So it's a great that you guys could continue to do what you were doing prior and then enhance it even more so because people need stability right and they need to somewhere to go to and they know that their voice is heard but also that somebody's paying attention to them and they know what to do or what's available and and how they can partake in the process and uh, you know across the board uh we've been agile to broadcast all the COVID 19 town halls Mm -hmm. that the health commissioner, that New York City, that our Bronx local elected officials put together, we broadcast them on BronxNet to get the most up-to-date vital information out immediately to the public. We do it live. And uh, whether it be where we're doing live production in the fields with our technology that lets us do that broadband cellular technology, or we're doing it um, these virtual town halls, um, we, we strive to provide the most up-to-date information possible in regards to health and voter literacy info. Right now in New York City, there's a huge um, number of important elections in the city council with yes. uh, new faces and, you know, where do these candidates stand on the issues and, you know, what do I need to know about early voting and universal voting by mail and ranked choice votings. So we need to demystify that. And we do that at BronxNet by broadcasting debates for Bronx local races, candidate interviews and public service announcements around all of these, um, uh, you know, well, all of this voter literacy information. Mm -hmm. and, um, and we continue to do that in partnership with great organizations like the New York League of Women Voters, like the um, organization Nos Quedamos, where we do candidate forums, like the local newspapers, you know, local weekly newspapers in the Bronx partner with us, like the Bronx Times Reporter and the Riverdale Press. Uh, and you know, it's important to support local news and information in, a, in an era where there's a lot of media consolidation and there's less local information available um, oftentimes true. through these partnerships, we, we can all, you know, make sure that the local voice is heard, that there's local coverage, that there's niche coverage. And, um, you know, that, that's what we want to do. We want to make sure that our communities are not misrepresented as uh, too often has happened in the past. The Bronx has been sensationalized in mainstream media and yes. news and yes. in, um, film uh, in Hollywood. Um, yes, specifically in that arena. And then the lens that people, the world knows. And I, that's why I wanted to hear from this lens for so people have a better understanding, not only how it is to be part of it, but then also how it is right now at this moment and what else is going on. So please continue. 
Yeah, it's it's so important to support local voices and local media. And um, because oftentimes when there is um, a profit motive. Yes, you know, and it, different it, agendas. Yeah, if it, if it bleeds, it leads. Uh, if it's sensational, you know, the Bronx has been sensationalized uh, in, in, in so many terrible ways with pseudo documentaries that, uh, you know, that have really upset people. And, you know, that's why it's so important. And that's why Bronxton exists. So Bronxton has been serving the Bronx for more than a quarter century. Wow, I didn't know that was that long. That's amazing. So this space I'm in right now, this is our completely uh, renovated and uh, we're doing broadcast upgrades and integration right now. Um, th this is our completely renovated network operations, BronxNet at Lehman College. Wow. When I started with BronxNet, um, I was like one of the first uh, employees. I was one of the three first employees at BronxNet Television. I was like a graphic artist that helped with the branding, a designer and animator. And um, this very space was empty. There was nothing here. Our studio, which is right next door, it was a, a shell of a space. It was used as storage. So it was underutilized space. We uh, transformed the space into these vital um, pathways for community members to connect with each other and share information and present multiple points of view. And now, um, you know, these spaces are yet again Re, uh, revitalize so that when we can enter these spaces, we can welcome our, our members and our teams together here more fully because we do have team members on site, um, but it's definitely more limited in what we're able to do because of the guidelines and because of safety culture, which we prioritize. But when we uh, welcome people back, these spaces, uh, these public spaces, which are so important, uh, when we're able to, will be nexuses for community again, um, and you know we look forward to that too because, the, the, you know th this is um, you know th this is part of community building. So whether it be we've proved that through this pandemic we can pivot to yes. the virtual uh, um, connections that we've forged, including the one that I've done with you, Isabel. I mean so we met together <laughs> uh, through this um, crisis, so it's bringing people together. But then when we're in the physical spaces together too, we can have a lot of things to look forward to. And I know many people are, are um, you know, kind of experiencing some fatigue with all the little boxes and the grids and, yes. um, <laughs> and look forward to seeing each other again in person. Absolutely, you're spot on on that. Because, but, but the beauty is I love, again, it takes a, it takes a lot of strength and strong leadership to do what you do and uh, to have the cohesiveness of inclusion as well as opportunity, not not only to all voices heard to be heard, but to partake and participate in that, right? And then also to use all the demographics. I love what you said because my children, uh, my passion as a former educators of children, and seeing the biggest highest vulnerability with them during this time, and that they still have the programming and engagement and opportunity to get substantial information and something that they can look forward to it as well as adults. But what I love that you created also the arts, the music, obviously that the, all these different components of the tapestry, because I remember first time when I was exploring Europe on my own, taking this gazillion photos, I was like, I could just couldn't get enough. I was fascinated by all these different buildings, the graffitis, the cars, the people walking, the fashion, like you can watch one in one street, 20, 30, 40 people passing by, none of them looking alike. It was just such an interesting dynamic. And then also like, sampling different types of foods. It's like, wow, some authentic things from different cultures. So I feel like that richness and that snapshot of, of just observation was so rich to me uh, in many ways, just because we're just so, like you, you could in one day depict at least 40, 50 different things. And that will be just, again, sensationally unique and different because you don't usually get them anywhere else. So. That is, that is hard to do. That is definitely hard to do, but it's also beautiful to obtain and allow and create space for it and see positivity in it and see as a part of the community, as a part of, of the culture, specifically right now as we're seeing so many things clashing politically, social, economically, uh, but also with different ethnic groups. Uh, it's just so nice to have a positive outlet that is truly their space, meaning community, people that are there. So do you mind sharing how many people live right now in Bronx? I know that a lot of people left New York if they could, and some people purposely stayed and, and leveraged in this time to also do as you do to build more strategic partnerships. But I'm just curious, what is the population of the Bronx itself approximately? 
So a lot of people say the population of the Bronx is 1.4 million people. But according to uh, the most recent data, it's if you round up a little bit, you're really at one and a half million people. You're 1.5 mm-hmm. million people. So it's, um, it's, uh, it's almost like a city. Yeah, it and, is. And it's one of the more affordable parts of New York City um, because, uh, well, um, a lot of New York has changed in a way that has been harmful uh, to, 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 to people that have lived in the city for a long time and the cost of living and all that. And, and there's housing insecurity. And you know, the, I think people in, in, in the Bronx are very cognizant of that. And um, the community has struggled in, through the decades to make sure that the Bronx is represented and not um, misrepresented, but also to protect the people of the Bronx and to protect our home. And, uh, you know, and I, I think that that is something that I would say is a big part of the reason why uh, it's, you know, it, it's a, a place that people love and the people that live here know it best. So why not help our communities here tell the story of the Bronx? And, yes. you know, and, and that's, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's why we exist, you know, in part, <laughs> that educational mission, but also to, to present that Bronx perspective, which is a global perspective, because yeah. there's so many influences here. And Isabella, what you were sharing before about like the creativity and, um, the, you know, you know the, the, the colors, the vibrancy of New York City and, and, and in the Bronx, it, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of influences, because uh, there's so many world perspectives that come together in one place. And what happens is that creativity, that culture becomes uh, something, uh, something that's rooted in where you know, people are originally from, but then these influences and this cross-cultural communication leads to new things, new opportunities, new forms, whether it be Latin jazz or hip hop yeah. or salsa or doo-wop. I mean, these are genres that really grew in the Bronx. You know, when I say hip hop, I'm not just talking about the music. I'm talking about the music, but I'm talking about the elements of hip hop, which DJing, street art, uh, emceeing, and and um, and fashion and influence, growing, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, break dancing. Yeah, it's it, there, there's 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 things here that um, that came about because there's so many people. In, in, in here that are coming from different parts of the world that are struggling, but that are building together. And uh, I, I think it's so, so important to spotlight that. And we do that, you know, and we try to do that. And we, 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 we try to help our communities here in the Bronx um, as, yeah. you know, to, to, to do that, to represent. You're part of such a resilient group. So I, I always loved the New Yorkers in, in, in general because as a European, it's like it's very direct, open, and 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 it's like you really always know exactly what's going on, and it's no fluff, and and and, and just uh, this kind of way of lifestyle. And things obviously yes do move and happen fast, but but in the same time, just conversations with people, it's they're very different. And I love that that as the result of resiliency of environment, and when people that feel down and they're broken. And, and in dire situations and conflicts, they are still finding ways. And it's that kind of just like, not just the hustle and grind, but it's also that the level of, of that let's help and support one another and step up and do things and, and, and thinking outside just ourselves. And I think that is so important specifically during these times to role model. So do you mind sharing, Michael? I'm just curious since COVID happened, since all of these crazy things came even more so to light from health that you were mentioning to crazy burnout to uh, fragmentation of community and then still trying to keep it all together. Um, how is the daily life looking like? I know restaurants are still on high restriction. The movement was on, on, on high restriction. Parks that you mentioned, they're bigger than a central park, but yet people did not indulge in them because of all these restrictions. So do you mind sharing just like what it used to be or, or, or looks like to be at that time or this time that it's a little bit easing up, uh, like day-to-day lifestyle? So I've interviewed people in the parks. I spend uh, 
um, mornings or evenings or you know running in the park I, you know and and i've done stories in the park and basically the park became a sanctuary for people like the bigger parks because um gyms were closed um you know there was high unemployment and there continues to be high unemployment yes. right now before the pandemic the employment situation was getting better actually in the bronx and across the city it was quite good um but uh it's definitely devastated small business uh, and there are people that were struggling and the parks in the borough of parks, the Bronx is known as the borough of parks, became sort of a sanctuary for people. I saw people um, weight training with logs. Uh, more people were running. They were doing pull-ups and push-ups in the park. They were doing group fitness in, yes. in, in a way with the community where they were you know, socially distant and spaced apart, but they were together as a community as best possible. And, um, you know, I think that with restaurants, there was outdoor dining. Um, it's kind of cold now. And there are guidelines that are changing so that you have some uh, indoor dining happening uh, currently. Um, but there are businesses that have closed. I mean, I was just talking about several businesses, including a Capoeira studio that recently closed in our neighborhood here, a coffee shop that closed some restaurants that closed because of the pandemic, because small business was hurting before the pandemic yes. and then completely devastated. And it's about being alert to these problems, you know, and, you know, and helping to try to solve them. So another situation, of course, and, you know, too often it gets overlooked. Um, it's the arts community. I mean, the Bronx has such creative capital and there's a creative community in the Bronx that had commissions that were canceled, yeah. exhibitions that were canceled, events, Cancelled, yes. as well as performances, and um, so we started partnering with artists and arts organizations, and um, presented performances on BronxNet with artists performing before our cameras, rather than a full audience, and going live oftentimes with the Cover Girls, which is another like um, uh, another collective of artists uh, that come from the freestyle world. And freestyle is another music born in the Bronx. Yes, and, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and they performed at Casita Maria. We broadcast them live during the holidays with Casita Maria. You know, usually there's a Paranda concert. Well, it couldn't happen, right? In the same way. But you know what? They got a float that went one mile per hour through Hunts Point in the South Bronx. And our cameras were there and we broadcast the paranda, which is like playing us with the hand drum and singing. And it's beautiful, beautiful holiday songs. So the community on the street in Hunts Point heard this and saw this float with the musicians and we broadcast it live to the Bronx. And it's um, on our, our channels in full high definition on Optimum BronxNet as well as Fios. But guess what? You can get it live also because we're streaming on all of our channels at bronxnet.tv. And we have video on demand there as well, bronxnet.tv. And then our Instagram, we go IG Live. Facebook, we're on Facebook Live. And with our community partners, we cross-publish on Facebook Live so that uh, community members could start watch parties. Um, and in responding to the crisis, we also were cognizant of the tech inequities where not every student has enough devices in the home. Not all families have enough bandwidth and internet in the home. And there are parents now home because they're not working in the field, right? Because yes. they're not able to because of the pandemic. So we partnered early on and started planning with educators and administrators in the Bronx to broadcast educational content on BronxNet television to help react with educational access for children and families at home that didn't have enough or don't have enough devices. And we continue to do this or enough. Brilliant. And we started training teachers in March of 2020 uh, in media education so that they could get good audio video, acquire good audio video and, 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 and produce lessons that we broadcast on BronxNet every day, twice a day uh, via the Bronx Edulution for children and families at home. And we started the new season of the Edulution on January 11th of 2021, and we're just scaling up. We did a, last spring, we did a virtual prom because we had to celebrate student achievement, you know, and we had DJs 
from around the Bronx and around the nation who just volunteered to DJ this nine hour set for students uh, so that we could celebrate our students across the city. So an epic prom, uh, as, well as, um, as well as other special programs for parent engagement and student engagement through the pandemic. And we're planning some big things for this spring as well. Um, and we do interactive arts lessons with Bronx Arts Factory, which they're visual artists. Uh, you know, many of them, uh, we, you know, we, need to we need to connect artists with the creative economy. So we were yes. able with Bronx Arts Factory to get some grants for the artists to do interactive lessons that we broadcast on BronxNet with materials you may have in your own home. So audiences could be creative and create new art and artists get an opportunity to share and you know, right now, people need creative outlets as well. They need nourishment for the mind, body, and soul. And that's what we try to do on BronxNet as well. And in the birthplace of hip hop, well, we, we were celebrating the 47th anniversary of hip hop last year in 2020. We had to do something. So we had in one of our studios, BronxNet at the hub in the South Bronx, we had Grandmaster Melly Mel MC and Epic DJ battle with Wow. <laughs> Grand Wizard Theodore, he's the first DJ to scratch. And the original DJ Jazzy J and beautiful, uh, beautiful, beautiful uh, DJ set that was complemented with rich, robust performances by a pioneer of hip hop. Her name is Rockefeller. She's a B-girl. <laughs> and wow. she performed with Love the, the Circle Soldiers. And then we also had the new generation, the kids. These are kids, little you know, kids like nine-year-old, a 10-year-old and a 14-year-old, uh, they're called the Syrup Kids from the Bronx and they performed in a playground before our cameras. So we did a Hip Hop 47 special. We're planning some big things now with the Hip Hop Element Awards and, um, and, and more. So um, while we're not able to fully gather in spaces, of course, you know, it's like the same across, Yes. you know, you know it's really kind of the same situation in so many places we are able to do things that connect people, that connect the arts, that connect people to the economy and the creative economy, and you know, connect people to valuable health information and, and to education. Uh, and you know, our partners on the educational initiative like Principal Torres uh, from CS55, like at the time we were planning with uh, the Bronx Executive Superintendent, Misha Ross Porter, who's tremendous and cares so much about our children. Now, she was just named last week Chancellor of New York City Schools, Misha Ross Porter. Wow, that is fantastic. It's so great to have a strong female figure there. So thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Congrats. And, you know, and we're just building on these partnerships. And that's what it's about. It's about building partnerships, leveraging uh, what these different organizations and community leaders and what people can bring to the, to the table to help resolve these challenges that we're facing together. This is beyond impressive specifically, as you know, in order to build a great healthy community, we have to thrive on that, what connect us, right? What unite us. And usually that is the arts, performance, music, uh, obviously movies and sports events. And you tackle all of them uh, uh, and pretty much, <laughs> I'm not sure if you're able to do any sports events, but everything else that you mentioned, and that is the foundation that bring us all together, no matter what upbringing, no matter what status and, and, and where we're at in life uh, from early, from young generations to elderly. And, and I think that is phenomenal. So since the guys, whoever is watching and listening, uh, not only Michael is so well dialed into it, and if you're able to create this cohesiveness in Bronx in a parts of the New York. This is something that everybody else can replicate. This is a phenomenal model to watch and see what's possible. I'm in Colorado and I wish honestly that a lot of Colorado stations are actually leveraging and doing more programming you're talking about because even though some schools are remote and similar issues and struggle. And then I can see also struggle in Texas and then in Utah and um, Nevada, as well as California, so many states could definitely benefit of the process that you have put in place. So I just wanna say kudos for being great role model. Thank you. And we are cognizant and speaking about spotlighting the scholar athletes. So with Fordham University, they're doing a sports show through the pandemic. Um, with uh, Manhattan College, we're about to uh, gather safely with a small limited number of runners, with um, runners really around the world for the Global Crake St. Patrick's Day 5K and 10K. So there's going to be a Bronx community running. In the race. We're broadcasting it 
uh, from Belfast to the Bronx to the world. This is happening on March 17th with a, a great runners like Kerry Gallagher, a coach at Manhattan College who's an elite runner, a tremendous athlete. She'll be participating. And um, this is another thing that's important is like, you know, sports has been disrupted and a lot of these students were getting scholarships. I mean, that was helping them get and achieve in higher education. So what's at stake? You know, how do we help our scholar athletes? How do we encourage our young people to pursue higher education? And, um, and, and you know, this, this was a, a doorway and a gateway for many students. So we just wanna make sure that, uh, that there's still connectivity there. So we do spotlight student achievement uh, across the subjects and, and, and including, including um, sports and athletics. That is fantastic. Again, that's such a rich uh, diversity of, of, again, what you offer, how you do it, and how you include it, everyone. And I'm curious right now, since you accomplished so much, Michael, already, what is in your bucket list? What are you really hoping to see uh, in remainder of the year and, and, and in the future that you will really see now that lessons from this COVID situation and that brought community closer instead of uh, further apart, what do you see that will be some of the great under undertaking in the future coming up? So before the great, I'll tell you what's realistic and then I'll get into the great. So the realistic <laughs> is we're gonna be working in sort of a hybrid basis where we'll be on site on location to a certain degree and we'll still leverage that remote capability that we've developed and grown so well and scaled up with, with new technologies and workflows. And um, then we also look forward to being at our locations in a greater level. In, in this, our network ops, Bronx and at Lehman College, I was just talking with uh, our partner at Mercy College, one of the vice presidents at Mercy College about health programming that we're gonna be doing uh, with them at our location, BronxNet at Mercy College uh, on, on a level that's safe and that might, uh, that will leverage a lot of our uh, remote capabilities again. And then um, I really look forward to what we're doing this month, uh, the month of March, uh, Women's History Month. I mean, we're, not only are we showing amazing short films uh, about, uh, you, know, you know, incredible women, but we're also producing new content, fresh content with, uh, with artists um, in our BronxNet at the Hub location with a beautiful mural painted by high school students and Bronx Arts Factory. Right in front of that, we're gonna be doing some fresh programming uh, this month at BronxNet at the Hub. And then we're gonna be moving from BronxNet at the Hub to our biggest studio yet, BronxNet at La Central, which will have a Windows on the South Bronx TV studio. So basically we'll be on Westchester and Brook Avenue in the South Bronx with windows uh, on uh, the South Bronx, looking at the community. Community can look into the studio, doing morning programming and other types of programming with also a media immersion studio for new media, mixed reality or augmented reality production. This uh, Bronx at La Central location will be 14,000 square feet and it will include a, a, media, a new media immersion studio for those capabilities, uh, innovation labs and learning labs so that we can prepare students for the workforce where there's gonna be a, a demand for more technology-driven jobs. I mean, we're going to help in partnership with other institutions of higher learning and organizations uh, provide these great exponential learning opportunities for students that will prepare them for these, um, the, you know, the, to be part of the skilled workforce. Wow. That is amazing. Again, community that's just going to blossom and then I think as a result quickly recover and, and, and have a much stronger foundation infrastructure. I think that is fantastic goal and, and undertaking and already seeing those next steps. So that's, that's great. Um, and on personal level, I know you've been obviously accomplished when you're passionate about arts and everything you do in digital footprint. So what's in your bucket list and, and, and what would you like to be remembered for and known for as, as, as part of your legacy? Because you already created such a tremendous impact just in the last 12 to 14 months, not even talking about what you acquired and did prior. And obviously with that in mind, your legacy, it's already there superseding you in many ways, but do you mind sharing uh, what that is next thing that you saw based on this transformation that also an impact made it on you, that that is something you like to uh, definitely double into it. There was a point in, you know, in our, in our, in our world here and in our new abnormal 
Yeah. When, when it was really our new abnormal, when we didn't know how this virus was spreading and people were like, you know, there was like, first it was like, oh, you don't wear masks or it doesn't matter if you wear masks or remember, it was like all these different like misinformation or like people yeah, uncertain. Yes, yes. Like Conflicts people and tensions and yes. And, and, you know, people weren't sure how the virus was spreading. And um, I, I think that there were, you know, we were so, you know, we, we had to understand that our team members, some of our team members, no matter where you are, right, whatever company, right, you're yeah, going to have yeah. people maybe that live with an elder parent and they care, you know, and, and that's some of the most vulnerable, right? So we, we have to be cognizant of that. So we, we, like, we make sure that people feel comfortable. And we try to find a role because everybody believes in what we're doing at BronxNet and in many companies like BronxNet. And everybody wants to contribute. So it's about like solving these opportunities together. Like, hey, you know, you can actually pitch in tremendously by, by this. If you can get you this technology, if you can fill this role, it's about adapting to the situation and being understanding, empathetic, and helping our team members contribute in meaningful ways. And I think that was a big part of what I am you know, proud of that we were able to do together. And through this process though, with this uncertainty about how to get out there and news gather and tell the stories. I mean, I remember at one point in New York City uh, and in the world, the epicenter of the epicenter was actually in Queens, in Elmhurst, Queens, Elmhurst Hospital, um, tremendous number of patients in ER and one of our team members was there and it was terrible. Oh my God, terrible. And, um, and we uh, in the Bronx recognized that uh, Elmhurst needed our help. So Mercy College Physician Assistance Program educators uh, contacted me and said, hey, we're gonna donate PPE to Elmhurst Hospital. Can you document it? And I said, absolutely. Wow. So, I went out there to Bronx, uh, to, 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 I'm sorry, Mercy College Bronx campus and interviewed uh, the team at Mercy College, uh, like, doc, like uh, Lorraine Cashin, Professor Lorraine Cashin and others, and uh, documented them as they gathered all the PPE that they had on campus, uh, which was a lot, and then brought it to Elmhurst Hospital. And then um, I interviewed uh, emergency room physician, David Chekets about the pandemic, about what people need to know, about what they were seeing coming into the emergency room, and told that story, and you know, and 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 you know, that kind of like um, you know showed me that I need to help tell these stories. I need to help kind of show that we can you know tell these stories safely. So I had an N95 mask at the time because again we didn't know like how like what, how this was spreading. So I had N95 and then two other masks on. I had eyewear. I was like, you know, I had gloves and I was shooting. And so I, 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 through this pandemic, and you asked me this question, and this is a long answer, but through this pandemic, I, I developed this love uh, returning to what I used to do, reporting uh, of storytelling, this love of storytelling, yes. documentary style storytelling, not where you're seeing me or hearing me, but I'm, you know, I'm kind of telling the story through the voices of uh, the subjects that I'm interviewing. Sometimes I'm interviewing them on the run. Um, I did in the summertime a number of stories uh, through our collective crises around social justice and social injustice, and um, and you know our communities here across the nation uh, are outraged by the injustice and the racism, and we had to tell that story. So our team members at Bronx and our great journalists like Sanji Lopez and Arlene Makoko and George Matos and Dorissa White and Ashley. And others, you know, were out in the community and telling the stories. And I went there as well. And I shot things like um, the, the uh, Stronger Together Run for Social Justice and the Wellness Rally for Social Justice. And, it, and, and these were voices on the move. These are people that are doing performative action. And these stories were told while moving. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I, I'm almost like a mobile production. So I enjoy storytelling. It's to, to answer your question, I, I, I kind of want to get back into the world of storytelling a bit and helping people tell stories. Now, not just doing it myself, but also yeah, kind of building on that, but with new media as well and immersive media. And I think there's such great opportunities with um, soundscapes 
and you know experience things in different ways there's a healing that can happen through that yes yes and i'm being a little bit dabbling in that myself and you spot on it is just a great way to serve uh content that connect us educate us support us but also to uh, educate us on the end of the day and i think you're spot on and storytelling is so powerful so i'm super excited to see what you're going to create in months and years to come that's a great so, mission and if you want to see some of the stories i'm talking about right now just check out uh, our, our bronxnet.tv site on uh youtube on 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 um on our, our website bronxnet.tv but also uh, our instagram at bronxnet.tv but more specifically for the stories that I'm talking about, you could also see it on Instagram at Bronx Strong, which is my handle across mm -hmm. platforms, Bronx Strong. Fantastic. I will make sure that we have all of those links and, and, and audience and people that are listening and watching that can also access to them easily. And definitely check your Instagram account, which is so beautiful. Great photos and tapestry of that in Bronx neighborhoods and everything uh, the Bronx New York is all about. Uh, so I just wanted to say, I really appreciate opportunity. I know you're very busy gentlemen and with a lot of going on on the mission to continue to serve exceptionally as you do. And I just want to kudo you and thank you for opportunity to sit down with me and have this conversation because with the Legacy Leader Show, with the global audience that we have and ripple in effect that we're going to expand with more education awareness, we can create impact. So thank you for doing that today. And thank you for inviting me, Isabel. I got to say, uh, when I um, see what you do on LinkedIn and on Clubhouse and the professional development workshops that you do and the panels you're on and your welcoming approach and you're such a great listener, but you also give great advice. I, I truly appreciate what you do. And I know many others do as well. So, um, you know, Isabella, it's, uh, you know, this is the beginning of something. Yes, uh, it is. And, and it just things don't happen by accident. And I just want to also say, not only in this show, it's been tremendous uh, gratitude to hear your voice, but you spot on uh, for like a clubhouse for people that are already there, please find us. And uh, just to hear your contribution. And that's what it is, that richness, you know, people sharing the stories and, and real life situations or things that they're encountering in their business. And how do we quickly pivot to make choices and decisions best choices and decisions in the moment that we know and that we have. That is really what's all about. So you are spot on. This is just the beginning. Thank you. Bronx and world strong, Isabella. Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.